Here we are again tonight recording a ZB cast. It's June 11th. Uh, we've got David is here. We've also got John. Hello. We've got Jeff. Hey. We've got Aaron. Hey. But this is no ordinary podcast because tonight we've got uh, John and I are recording. We're, we're up here in Blue Springs, Missouri, and Jeff and Aaron are on an island off the coast of Honduras. We're Greetings exactly. from Utila. It's good to have you guys with us tonight. How are things in the Caribbean, guys? They're good. Uh, nighttime is very pleasant. Daytime is quite humid. Nothing really dries here. It's very humid, very, very hot. But it's, it's just beautiful. The people are very nice. Um, just a great place to come and visit for a little bit. So what's a normal day look like for you guys down there? Well, I'll, I'll go first and then do because my day is a little different. I, I get up and about uh, 9 o'clock, I go take some scuba diving lessons and uh, take a little break for lunch, a little siesta, and then come back at 1 o'clock or so, 2 o'clock, and get in the water, practice some skills. Um, my swimsuit hasn't dried off all week. Uh, it's, it's just not, I mean, I hang it up, but it doesn't get dry. Um, this is Jeff. I uh, wake up in the morning. I have Spanish classes from, which is one-on-one tutoring from eight in the morning till about noon. And then I go, typically go either dive or take a class associated with diving. I'm taking uh, dive master courses. And so this really doesn't seem like much of a vacation. I'm doing the Spanish for two reasons. One, my uh, the school that I work at has a lot of Spanish speaking children and parents. And then also I thought for the sake of ministry, it'd be nice to have um, some Spanish skills, uh, more than the two or three words I knew from the morning. Uh, this isn't the first time you guys have traveled internationally, correct? That's right. That is correct. How does Honduras compare to some of the other places you've visited as far as culture shock? Well, I, I would say Utila is not like the rest of Honduras. Okay. Um, it's in some ways it's kind of like a cross between uh, a Mexican village and uh, an old pirate village. I mean, it's really quite disconcerting. I mean, at first glance, I mean, it's pleasant, very pleasant. No fears of anything, um, but not at all like the rest of Latin America. I mean, not very, very dissimilar from the rest of Latin America. One of the interesting things for me, uh, the moment we came off the ferry from La Ceiba, uh, we were, I, I would say, assaulted. Would you use that term? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I think assaulted in a minor sense, but assaulted by um, probably 20 people from different dive shops trying yeah. to recruit us to come uh, take courses or to dive at their shops. And so it's kind of just, it's very much, there's two worlds, I would say, on Utila. Uh, one is the dive culture, which has just a lot of backpackers, a lot of people who just kind of wander the globe, uh, ragamuffins, I'd almost say. And then there's also uh, those who are native Hondurans, who there's a variety of people in that group. Some work with the dive industry. Um, a lot of them work at the restaurants. They're, it's a pretty small island. It's only about 11 kilometers by five kilometers. So it's a pretty small island. Um, but there's, if you get off the like the two roads that we walk on typically, which mm -hmm. by roads, um, think of a very wide sidewalk. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a truck, there are probably half a dozen things we would call cars that would be roadworthy in the States. There are about half a dozen of those on the island, I would say, that I've seen. Uh, maybe a dozen, if there's some others tucked away. 
but they can barely fit going down the road. Uh, for the most part, the road is occupied by pedestrians, by some golf carts, uh, by some bicycles, motorcycles, and some like four-wheelers or ATVs. Those are the primary vehicles on the island. There are just a few cars um, or pickup trucks. And it's all pretty small. The road is probably only maybe 15 feet wide. I would yeah, in fact, th there's only a couple places where two trucks can pass each other. And uh, four-wheelers slow down to pass each other substantially. Uh, motorcycles don't slow for anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's not like you're going fast. They're probably not going over more than 25 miles an hour. But when they're like six inches from you while you're walking? Yeah. When they're six inches from you, it's, you, you jump to the side. But if you get down some, like some off the side roads, which are more like a sidewalk off those, off the quote-unquote main roads, uh, off the sidewalks you see some just incredible poverty. Yeah. Absolutely incredible poverty that, um, and it's not like the whole, I mean, the whole island is pretty poor. I mean, where I got my laundry done, um, it's some lady has basically a washing machine underneath the house that she has stilts. And so it's like the stilts, they have the house above and she has a washing machine and some clotheslines underneath. And so it's all very, I mean, it's very rudimentary for what we're accustomed to in the States. You'll have families of four riding a motorcycle. Yeah. A baby sitting on the lap uh, with um, the wife behind the husband with a kid behind the wife all lined up on a motorcycle. Um, so there's a lot of just general safety things that are just completely foreign to Americans. Have you guys had an opportunity to interact with any of the locals there on the island? We have. Um, when when we go to dinner, I mean, there's it's almost almost all of the little restaurants are just kind of extensions off of someone's home, and so you, you get to interact just a little bit. Um, some of them are people who are part of the dive community, uh, just picking up a little bit extra on the side, uh, and so they only speak English, pretty, you know, or if they speak a little bit of Spanish, it's it's not certainly their primary tongue. And then, then there are some places that only speak Spanish, and you have to kind of, I mean, if you if your Spanish isn't good, you have to kind of use hand gestures or, or whatever. They just don't know any English. Uh, and so then there's there's kind of this these these two separate communities here, and many of the, the people who uh, the Honduranians have have some of them have lived here their whole lives. I would actually I would almost argue most of them have lived here their whole lives on the island. Yeah, I would say a lot. I, a lot of people I've talked to. Uh, there's a variety. Some of them come over to work here um, from La Ceiba, which is the the mainland city. And so there's a, I mean, it's a variety. Some people just come over, like both people in the Spanish the Spanish language school I'm working with are from La Ceiba. Uh, one thing that I would like to point out, uh, the, the very idea of being able to do this is, uh, is frankly amazing. The fact that David and I can be up here talking to you guys while you're down there I, I think that the the technology involved here is a, is a tremendous blessing yes I think it's I, we're, I think we're gonna we'll take a picture of where we're sitting right now <laughs> and uh, we'll send that to you we'll take a picture of where we're sitting and then what we're looking at as we're sitting here and that'll be pretty amazing one of the interesting the things is being here so one of the big surprises just just as a general aside, is it gets dark here at about six at night, um, maybe six thirty. Uh, it's 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 pretty much dark because um, they don't honor daylight savings, and so it's 
it's now earlier here, so it's only 10 o'clock our time, or 9 o'clock our time. Yeah. It's on 9 o'clock on Honduras time right now, and so like it's it's pitch pitch black, and it's been pitch pitch black for like three and a half hours. Yeah, and but on the flip side, at 6:30, sun's up or yeah, so, it's, yeah. it's bright. It's bright. It gets outside. early. It gets bright pretty early. Not that we're seeing that. Now that you guys have been there for about a week, what's the food like there? Have you gotten to eat uh, at local restaurants or? Or just people cooking for you? How, how's that working? Uh, we have, we had our first night, we had some Thai food. Um, we've had uh, barbecue uh, pork chops. We had steak. We had nachos. We've had uh, cheeseburgers. We've had uh, a variety of other things that are not um, necessarily local. Had one local thing, which is um, a tortilla with rice and meat, deep fried. Aaron, do you remember the name of that? I don't. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Lucelo or something like that. It's, it's right. We'll find out the name. It is amazing, and that's like at the side of the road. You can get like that for like fifty cents. You can get one, and it's probably it fits in the palm of your hand. Um, probably, I would say. Two of those would be equivalent to like a cheeseburger in the states, food-wise. And so we've got a couple of things, but like like we've said before, this island is so uh, it's so catered. I mean, the economy revolves around tourists completely and utterly. Now, Jeff and I have have very different schedules, so I've made a little bit more of an attempt to and uh, stuff when I was separate, um, but. It, you do have to look for it. I mean, a number of people do have their restaurants just right off the side of their houses. Um, but some of the bigger ones, they'll have Italian offerings, and on the same menu, they'll have, uh, you know, American-type food. But they've got just this big, diverse thing. Like next to the dive shop today, uh, there's this little place, and all they were cooking was jambalaya. If you went there, all you could get was jambalaya, but it was good jambalaya. Um, so they, it is quite diverse, the, the food selection. Go ahead. I was thinking that there there would be a good selection, and maybe I'm wrong, that there would be a good selection of seafood there, maybe some fish markets. It, the, the guys uh, we ate dinner with today uh, were mentioning that they had, for the last four days all they had was fish. So there is quite a bit of fish. Uh, I'm not a fish person, so I haven't, but I don't know about that. I, I have not had any fish either. Um, there's not a whole lot of uh, fishing off the that I've seen of commercialized fishing. There might be some, but I've not seen a, a great degree of seafood that's available. There might might just be, I've, I've missed it, but I've looked. Uh, but like Aaron said, there's a lot of these little uh, houses or just somebody at the side of the road with a hot plate that has, that has something. A lot of places will have like one main dish that they're serving that day. And the next day it might be something completely different. Um, but they're just preparing one thing all day long, and if you want that one thing, you're going to stop at their place. One thing I have enjoyed food-wise, um, I think Aaron and I have both enjoyed, is the glass bottles they use for pop, uh, <laughs> yeah. for soda pop. Uh, they have Coke and Coke Light, both in glass bottles, which is enjoyable. But you have to give the Coke bottles back. They don't like you to take them. Now, is it similar to uh, other Central and Latin American countries uh, there's a, a lot of beans, a lot of rice. 
Yeah, I found I've had a number of dishes. Well, almost every dish has come with rice. Uh, I had a couple of dishes with beans. Um, I, I think there was a breakfast I could have ordered, but I didn't that day. That was rice and beans and something. A lot of fruit. This comes in on Tuesdays and Fridays, and so the locals all know to get. That's when they get their fruit and their produce. Is Tuesdays after Tuesday afternoons and Friday afternoons. And they won't typically, I mean, get produce other than those two days. In fact, there's one restaurant that's only open three days a week, and I think it's the, the days after deliveries and then one third day or something like that. Now, I hear some uh, people talking in the background. Where are you guys exactly? Are, are you in the lobby of the uh, of the house you're staying in, or, or, or is it a big open room? I would say the best way to explain it is um, the hotel we're staying in is more like a campus where there's like a hut where you go and register and then you go behind like just a wooden gate and it's basically jungle for the most part tucked away and there's uh, we're right across from a restaurant right at the moment looking at looking at the restaurant that's all open air uh, we're sitting underneath like a patio there's a classroom behind us uh, there's a pool to our left um, and then our room is to the left, and there's probably, I would guess, if I were, to, if I were just to guess, there's probably 10 buildings um, in close proximity within this within this compound. Um, some are little huts, um, some are like a dormitory, um, some house several like separate rooms. We're actually staying more like in a traditional hotel room. Uh, we found out that uh, to have air conditioning pretty much doubles the cost of wherever you're staying, and so. You can get a you can get a place down here for like nine dollars a person per night, uh, but if it's air conditioning, it's typically going to be a full room and it's going to be upwards of forty or fifty. I got a question for you guys. Have you experienced or noticed any any particular religious culture there on the island? I would say that there's not really a, a dominant religious culture um, apart, apart from the the wake that I viewed. I haven't really noticed um, any strong. Uh, inclination towards religion in general. We arrived Sunday morning pretty early, and so we were kind of oblivious to what was going on. We just wanted to get settled. Um, but I would say that there's a ver very much a strong secular feel, at least amongst those that we come into contact with, which are granted most of the um, dive shops and tourist shops, which are uh, a lot of those individuals are pretty uh, focused on on other pursuits that bring them satisfaction, such, such as alcohol consumption. There's, I would say, um, I'd, I've heard of at least 10 or 20 bars probably on the island. Yeah. And so there's a lot of places where um, alcohol can be had, and that's really kind of the, I mean, there's diving and alcohol. And amongst the natives, um, I haven't seen um, any strong inclination towards religion, but we're kind of separate in a lot of ways as far as what they do beyond um, work with customer service. But that said, I mean, there are churches that are doing very well, and the more missionaries, they don't have a big church or anything, so they may not be doing as well. They're pretty, pretty big buildings. And the more missionaries, they're trying to get their building busy and earthquake on Hudson effect here, yet uh, weakened the foundation of the place they were going to move to. And so they're stuck in a smaller building that's they've already filled up. And so um, I know that they're making an impact um, on the island. 
about if you guys could share for, for those people that might be listening to this that have never done any kind of traveling or especially international traveling and as you consider what it kind of does to your own spiritual walk when you step outside of your comfort zone, uh, could you guys both share with us kind of maybe some of the emotions or, or the spiritual disciplines that you find that come to the forefront uh, in a new environment such as this? I, I found that it, it really makes me introspective as far as what our responsibility as saints should be. I mean, how can I, what, what is the best way to, to assist? I think on top of that, um, one of the more, one of the emotions that's forefront in your minds while you're traveling is safety, is communication barrier, um, and travel in general is less reliable. Uh, as an example, both Jeff and I were delayed. I was delayed longer. I was stuck in an airport for six hours plus put over for the night and then traveled again the next day. So I was actually 24 hours delayed where Jeff, I think, was only 12 hours delayed. And uh, um, having to mitigate those difficulties uh, when Spanish is not your primary language is this can be quite a challenge. I, in fact, I was in the airport uh, next to a girl, I don't even know where she was from, maybe uh, somewhere in the States, and she was visiting someone, and she spoke not a word of Spanish. And so uh, after a while, she she noticed that I was speaking a little, and I'm not great. So she was asking for translations, like, you know, what's happening with the plane? Oh, four hours late? Gosh. And you can only imagine the, the courage that would have taken for her just, I mean, going that far and having to navigate these these problems without any way of trying to resolve them uh, conveniently. Thinking about what Aaron said, I, I would also agree that I think that in our country we, we have a feeling of safety here. And, and even if you're not in a situation where you feel perfectly safe, we feel like we understand our rights and our privileges here in this country. And so we understand that if something happens to us, we know what recourse we have available to us. Yet when we're outside of our country, we we kind of lose the stability, we lose that comfort zone. And I know for me personally, it's often, uh, it causes me, like you said, to, to, to turn to, to God probably more strongly in my prayer life, to trust Him for my safety and trust Him for things to work out uh, as, as He would have them for me. Is that something that you guys can relate to as far as uh, your experiences? Absolutely. I mean, even though I speak a fair amount of Spanish and I generally understand what's going on around me and I can generally communicate well enough what things it is that I'm wanting, uh, there's still a tremendous amount of uncertainty. I mean, as not a, a native in the uh, any difficulty arises, you're not the same office that uh, have just met up to you. Uh, you get in a taxi and you say which destination you want to go to, but you have absolutely no idea where it is in the city they're taking you other than you've given them an address. Um, and they go down these little alleys and side streets, and so, you know, your mind can kind of travel and say, you know, what should I be thinking right now? So certainly it does cause you to be more dependent on your safety. As well as that, it... it just makes you so 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 thankful uh, to be born in the land of promise. We were one of the utterly powerful, uh, but small things that, that we 
have is an American passport. If you have never told countries, you really value what a powerful little document that is. Uh, it opens doors that a lot of, like the passports from a lot of countries won't open. Uh, you can go pretty much anywhere in the world and people aren't going to question you as much. Um, and so it, it just makes you very thankful and are very unworthy to have that just the blessing of our heritage but then to look at what Aaron was saying just that 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 being able to put your faith in God and to know that even though this taxi is running around the streets at a rate that is crazy or you're on the bus that is going on the side of a mountain that you feel like you're about to drop off you just have to put your faith in him you know the other kind of interesting thing that kind of jumps out to me just from listening to Jeff here for a second was that even though we're down here in Honduras, we are still in the land of promise. And there's quite a contrast. Think about um, what that has become where we live versus what it has become down here. And you know, the difference in potential uh, that exists, uh, if it could be you know, harnessed and, and used proper. I, I just have a few more questions. And then uh, John may have some other things he wants to ask as well. Have you guys had any witnessing opportunities yet? on the island? I guess the fair answer is we probably had many, many opportunities. Uh, our focus wasn't uh, missionary when we came, and so uh, I've taken advantage of only one, um, but it's certainly not been our, our primary, my, has not been my primary focus. Uh, there have been uh, several occasions because of the predominance of a culture based around alcohol, as we discussed. I think that there's been a certain amount of witnessing we've done uh, just in our abstention from that. And so it's opened some doors, albeit small ones, for discussions. And um, I think that there are things that are noticed by people around you, just like there are any place else. That would be, that would be the major case for me, um, just in discussions with people and that type of thing. All right, well, that, that's good, and, and we're certainly going to supplement this, this ZB cast with uh, some other comments and, and, and things when you guys get home. So since we know you guys are just lounging around all day with nothing to do, we'll give you a little bit of homework, and maybe by the time you get home, you'll have a, a really exciting witnessing opportunity to share with us in a, in a follow-up ZB cast. How about that? Sure. Yeah, sounds great. So that means you guys gotta got to get off the couch at some point. Oh, let, there's really no couches. Yeah, let's be clear. We're sitting <laughs> on a patio, a stone tile. surface tile. tile surface patio. It really is not comfortable. Stray dog sitting next to us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no couch. No couch. Fair enough. Now, um, did you guys travel down together, Aaron? It sounds like you guys had separate flights. Well, we drove to St. Louis together. And we rode in a plane to Miami together. Okay. Yeah. From Miami down to here, we were separate. Okay, so. I guess one of the last questions I have is uh, I'd like to know in, in your time together if you guys had any deep and meaningful conversations in which you opened up the uh, windows of heaven and came to any wonderful conclusions that you'd like to share with us. Uh, I think on the, on the definitely on the road, on the road here, uh, I rode from Kansas City to St. Louis. We had four hours in a car together, and I think any time anytime we're in a car together, we'd have some pretty good conversations. But um, didn't record those. We didn't record those, and there was like. I remember, I remember we talked, I, actually I think I have it written down in my journal, 
uh, some of the things we talked about. We had some good conversations, though. That some we probably have to fix for some future uh, ZB. So maybe we'll include that next ZB cast too. We'll we'll talk about your your final experiences down there and also uh, go over some of the things you might have recorded in your journal. Sounds good. John, I think I I talked to you to my mother. So. By far. <laughs> Tonight, I've certainly talked to you guys more than talked to my wife, although I know that she's anxiously waiting for me to get back on and talk, so I'll have to sign off here soon. Fair enough. Uh, John, you have anything else you want to ask? No, 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 not really. We'd like to thank uh, Jeff and Aaron for taking time out of their schedule to meet with us tonight and answer all of our questions. We'd like to thank everyone who's tuned in and listened. This is uh, ZBcast from June 11, 2009. Signing off and uh, wish God's blessings upon everyone out there. Uh, you can find this uh, ZB cast along with all the others at www.zionbound.com. You can also reach us and contact us. Uh, our email addresses are up there. We'd love to hear from everybody that's listening. Any questions, comments about uh, anything that we've discussed tonight? Uh, bye, Akandios from Utah.